Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. guys welcome back to the buck and strutton podcast today on the show we have brandon adams from my world outdoors brandon the first question i want to ask you is on your personal page on instagram it says that you're a dancer well that first of all thanks for the invite to come on here and chat with you guys uh i uh, i definitely appreciate it and to answer your question just directly uh, aren't we all dancers in, in, in some degree? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I like to dance. I like to sing. I like to, I like to run. I like to talk. I mean, there's, there's, I'm, I can't be, I can't be limited to one, to one thing. I, I understand that. I, I can, for one, say for myself, I cannot dance. It is just oh. impossible. Well, you might be able to dance, but you know, we're all on a spectrum somewhere. It just depends on what, where you at or where you're at along that line. Very, very low. <laughs> How far left does this graph go? <laughs> so if they asked you to come on dancing with the stars, would you do it? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. That's, you get my vote. Uh, yep. You got, you got two votes right here. <laughs> I, there would not yeah I, well i appreciate it i mean i think i could probably win it with two yeah yeah <laughs> bobby Jones can go on there and win it i think a lot of people got a good chance well yeah it clearly has nothing to do with dancing abilities you are correct there yeah so where uh where are you located out of brandon uh i'm out of central oklahoma i live in between oklahoma city and shawnee uh grew up here i grew up uh, just east of shawnee in a little town called Prague. And uh, now I live west of Shawnee, and it's uh, been here my whole life. Not my really my whole life, but since like you know I was like seven or eight. So, have you have you hunted always at a young age, or what's your what's your hunting story? Yeah, so my my oldest memory of field is uh, being bird dog. You know, I had a, a big family, and was fortunate enough to uh, grow up on a farm and ranch, and uh, everyone hunted. And so we, one of the, the biggest hunt of the year was always the opening day of dove season. And I remember being, you know, five or six years old and being bird dog for, for the guys running out there and grabbing down dove. So uh, that's where it all started with me, you know, and then it graduated from bird dog to getting a single shot, you know, 410 and then working my way up the ladder from there. So uh, I was introduced, you know, like most people from, my father and also my grandpa they got me out in the woods with uh with the guys if you will and uh, i got kind of thrown to the wolves uh, a lot of people especially you know my kids uh, dad sits with them and kind of talks them through all the emotions you go through you know when an animal's in front of you uh that is not the way i was <laughs> brought into it they uh they took me to the deep end and said good luck and uh so that caused me a lot of problems early on in my hunting career as far as uh let's just say controlling my emotions when an animal's in front of me and uh find, finding my target so how so i guess we'll kind of go down a little rabbit hole here how did you work through that uh honestly uh this is probably not going to be what i should say but this is the truth uh it was getting made fun of uh, I was the, I was the young one in camp. And every time I come back with a, another story of how I missed, you know, I got made fun of relentlessly and it got to a point where I just, you know, I, I was tired of that. So <laughs> I, uh, just bared down and got it done. So, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. I mean, you know, it sucked at the time. I mean, as a 10 year old, 11 year old kid getting freaking pounded by, you know, your uncles and friends, uh, 
it made me it made me what I am today. I'll tell you that much. And and I think it was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of pe- it takes a lot for people to rise up from whether they're getting picked on or whatever the case may be, made fun of, and to turn it into something special. And kind of going through all your stuff, man. Like you've you're self made. Like you've come a long, long way. I had a lot of I had a, so. What I might say is no disrespect to my family uh, because they are the ones that got me into it, and they're they're still you know big hunters and, and outdoorsmen. Uh, but I get okay, so I'll start from the beginning. I am very I'm a very passionate person, and I got once I got introduced to deer hunting in particular, like I wanted to learn as much as possible about deer hunting, and it didn't take long. Again, this is no disrespect to my family. It didn't take long to past what they knew about deer hunting and i was at the library renting every book from the 50s and 60s and 70s about you know hunting uh i read them all a hundred different times and uh i would get made fun of for having this is true i would get made fun of in camp for you know how you guys know how deer camp. these people are now i'm talking about my family are not mean people but they would still pick on me i would get i would get picked on for having two different stands, one with the north wind, one with the south wind, you know, and they would purposefully set in whichever stand I wasn't setting in to kind of prove me wrong. And uh, it didn't take long, you know, several years, you know, two or three, four years into it. This is where I started, you know, tagging more animals than they are. I started tagging more animal, bigger animals than they did. And um, so, I mean, I guess this be me being stubborn and sticking with my guns and me being passionate about deer hunting kind of led me down this rabbit trail of, um, I guess the quest of knowing or, you know, learning as much as I could. And, um, even if that meant leaving, uh, what the traditional family, how they, how they hunted behind. So that that's a big deal, man. I mean, I, I know how it goes and I know Kyle, you're from Wisconsin. The deer hunting culture up there is, pretty serious uh, like there's there's certain things that are at our deer camp that they're just kind of looking at me like what are you doing right but oh, yeah i can i can definitely relate to that getting picked on part um I, i'm just wondering so it sounds like yours stopped mine hasn't <laughs> <laughs> they are relentless <laughs> and uh but i just keep telling myself they pick on me because they like me Right. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm just gonna stick with it. Right. And we all gotta we all gotta tell us ourselves certain things to get through the night. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they stopped picking on me once uh well I, I, what I was about to say was very <laughs> I shouldn't say, but they stopped picking on me once uh the act you know the, my actions started speaking for themselves as far as the end results. So well, I, one of those days I get there, you know. <laughs> hey, just, hey, just keep plugging along, man. Yeah. You learn as much as you can. So that's I was going to say too, man. Those those books from the fifties and sixties and seventies, those are some of the best hunting books you can ever pick up. They're very so that you're you're not wrong there. They're very elementary, and to be honest, when it comes to deer hunting and what well, hunting in general, deer, you know, what any kind of big game, any kind of animal, honestly. You got. You need to do a few things right, and it's not complicated. Like there's a lot of strategy on how to hunt. You know, rub lines, scrape lines. Uh, you know, edges of field, like different things. You know, hunting uh, terrain. Like you know, using land features, and all that stuff is good to have in your tool bag. But if you do a few things right, you're going to have success year in and year out. So, and, and that is that is watching where your feet are. That's keeping the wind in your face. And hunting, hunting when conditions are right and not pressuring your farm or your area whenever, you know, things aren't good. If you do those three things right, then you're going to have success year in and year out. I think, I think a lot of people don't, they get too caught up into products or this area, you know, they might say this area screams deer, but realistically they're, they're just a, maybe a couple hundred yards shy of where they need to be. Right. That's, that's very true. And, and getting caught up in products is one thing. I mean, products are, are tools, 
you know, uh, my, my father-in-law's a carpenter and he's not going to use, you know, an articulating miter saw for everything, you know, <laughs> you use it for certain things and I'm not going to use my rattling antlers or a rattling pack or whatever I may have all the time. You know, I'll use it whenever it's right. 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 So tell us about my world outdoors, man. Tell us about where people can find it. Tell us about what, what, the, what it's about. I know season two just came out. Give us the whole scoop on this. So my world outdoors, uh, my, my buddy, John Christopher and I, started it last february I mean, that was when we, we actually yeah we launched uh season one last spring and uh as far as where to where people can find it, it's all digital so i come from a tv background i've been producing you know linear tv shows since 2009 and uh that was that stuff in my background well I felt like we could create a better product instead of going the TV route. I felt like we could create a better product by putting it out there digitally. And so you can find it on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. That's our three, our three main drivers. And uh, it's each, each platform has its own packaging. If you, if you will, we deliver it, you know, uh, its own way on each each, you know, each thing. So like Instagram has more pictures, Facebook has a combination of pictures and, and, and video. And then of course, YouTube is all video. Um, and, uh, you know, see, like you said, season two came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a, our first story came out anyway. And, uh, it's a, it's a, what, what, what a big advantage of doing it digitally is I get to put the whole story down and I ain't got to worry about commercial breaks. I ain't got to worry about getting to 22 minutes, you know, uh, I can package the whole story as a story. And that's actually what we call call our, our finished stories, our stories. And we don't call them episodes or shows. We call them stories. And the first one is uh, Colorado. And it's like an hour and seven minutes long. But, you know, in my, you know, it's a kick. It's a, it's a really good story. It starts from our whole season uh, beginning in Colorado and ending in Colorado. So it was a month long season in Colorado for us. And that's what the story is. And there's several kills in there, a lot of encounters, an unfortunate miss, unfortunate, you know, shot fire, uh, you know, it just tells, tells a story. And then the next one that's coming out is uh, I was working on it this morning, uh, to get it, the final package, you know, to get it, the final exports ready, uh, is a Kentucky story. And, uh, you know, like I, I'm just excited to be digital where I ain't got to, I don't have to worry about, you know, trimming and cutting things down to fit inside of a certain box. I can just tell the story the way it happens. Right. That's, it's your story. I mean, you can literally do whatever you want with it. Yeah. That's cool. So. That's really, really cool. So you, um, we have a third person, but his, uh, his grandfather, unfortunately passed away today <clears throat> and I'm going well, to, Go ahead. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yep. Shout out to you, Dustin. We're thinking of you, man. We're praying for you and your family. We uh, he's he's a big, big turkey hunter. I mean, I think he'd rather turkey hunt than deer hunt any day of the week. He loves his whitetails, but he was going to be the one to kind of ask you some questions about turkey hunting. So I think Kyle and I are going to kind of split them up. But how uh, how's your turkey season been so far, Brandon? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, okay, so I like turkey hunting. I happen to be good at turkey hunting, uh, but I don't like to plan a, I, I say all this and I'm about to follow it up with a contradiction. I don't like to plan, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to plan a lot of trips away from home for turkey hunting. And the reason being is I love my family dearly. I happen to be happily married. I happen to have uh, two beautiful daughters that I like to spend time with, you know, while they still like me. And, uh, I, if I'm going to spend time and money, I want to be time away from them. I want to be spending that on, you know, big game animals. But saying that I've been to Florida, I killed two great birds down in Florida. Uh, I filmed John, uh, get a couple birds in, uh, in Florida. We've hunted in Oklahoma. I guided him in Oklahoma. I got a couple guys last week in, in Kansas. Uh, I haven't really hunted a whole lot in Oklahoma, except for those few days I was with John. Uh, but we're, I leave Monday for a trip to Mexico with, with John. Uh, we're going to go hunt some ghoul turkeys to south of the border. So I'm excited for that. I am actually excited for that hunt. Uh, my first, if I, if I, if I 
get one, then I'll, I'll complete my, my Royal slam. So that'll be kind of cool. That's awesome. I'm so, I'm so jealous. Well, come with us. Fun. Yeah. Just come with us. All right. All right I'm in. Just all right. when and where? Uh, Monday at 3, 3 p.m. We're, we're leaving the airport at 3 p.m. So ready break. Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if my passport's ready, but uh, I'll just I'll meet you in Mexico. About I don't think that. you need a passport to get in. So you're fine. You know, oh. really, you're just making excuses. Yeah, I, I run across a bigger hurdle. I don't think my uh, I don't think my lady be all about that right now. <laughs> That's right. I understand <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. She she'd bar the door. I'll break you out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when when you're down there, and which I mean, I've I've never hunted turkeys in Florida. I've never hunted uh, Osceolas, or I think they have they have Easterns in the northern part. They do. The uh, from what I've read, though, a lot of people say that they they're a harder bird because they're quiet. So. <laughs> I, everyone i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna drop some truth on you everyone thinks that their spot is the toughest and everyone thinks that their animal wherever they live you know is the hardest to hunt and uh the best and uh when it comes to the osceola birds i've, I've been down there a couple times now kill a few um it's just like hunting turkeys anywhere i hunt in the country you know uh, Easterns, I know I'm going to get a lot of crap from this. If I'm the right person here, but Easterns, Easterns are our Turkey. You know, they, they roost it in the evenings and they fly down in the mornings and, uh, they, they generally shut up after, after they hit the ground. But you know, a lot of Rios do that too. Um, uh, this is, this is kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier where, uh, people, I don't know. I, I, another thing is, is people look for excuses. <laughs> so yeah, they you know, do. Yes, they it's do. always it's always the moon's fault. It's always the wind's fault. It's always this. It's always that. You know. So, um, as far as me noticing the Osceolas being a different, like uh, like a harder bird to hunt, they seem to gobble a lot. This last hunt when we went down there, they didn't gobble a whole lot. Uh, the, my first hunt a few years ago, they gobbled, you know, their butts off. Uh, I showed them a strutting turkey the first year and literally blew one's head up at, you know, about four steps. Uh, last, this last, you know, uh, it been March, so I guess it was last month. Uh, I showed one a, a decoy and somehow got him in. He was a giant. Well, I mean, he's a, I mean, a legit big bird, inch and a half spurs and, Ooh. 11 inch beard and you know you know 21 pounds which is a big really big osceola bird um he was a legit giant and then the other one uh the same thing we we set up off him off the roost and called him in he got to 100 yards and hung up and uh we showed him we had the the, the strutter sitting beside us and showed him the strutter and he comes barreling in you know um i think that uh you know if you do a few things right you know, you're going to have success wherever you're at. I think that the, uh, <laughs> the excuses thing is, is spot on, man. <laughs> yeah. It's always something. <laughs> yep. It's exactly right. I mean, you can catch a bad break, you know, temperature. And when you're talking about big game animals, temperature definitely affects big game animals, but you know, people put a lot of stock in, some things that I don't worry about at all. So, you know, it's just the way it is. <laughs> so that's my philosophy. I'm, I'll, I'll get some sli uh, crap from that. I'm sure. Well, I, I like it, man. I like it. You're, you're straight up about it. And that's, that's what we need. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with, uh, you know, people, people throw a lot of reasons out there of why they didn't get one or this or that. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines of, you know, make sure you're the wind's in your face, you know, pick a spot on, on the right conditions. And I don't, I don't get into the whole, Oh, what's the moon phase and what's the barometric pressure. And, and, you know, just, you just got to go in when it's right. And like you said, just don't make excuses, just go out and get it done. You either get it done or you don't, 
you know, there, what, what, what's Yoda say? Uh, do or do not, there is no try. Right. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't think you'd be hearing a Star Wars quote when you started this podcast? No, I'm not mad about not at it at all. Yeah, I'm not mad about it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this is my last question for you, man, about some turkey hunting. You said you're going to Mexico. What is that going to look like? I'm actually excited about that. I, it, like I said, it'll be my first time hunting a ghoul turkey. Uh, I'm going to take my bow. I'm going to take the old Hoyt. I'm going to take my ultimate predator decoy and strap to the front of it. And I'm going to try to get one of these birds uh, to come into me and, you know, hopefully get it, get a shot right there in the, in the chest. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a desert. It's in the mountains, uh, super, super dry environment. Uh, I hear that these birds are aggressive, you know, but I hear that about a lot of birds, you know, like we talked about a while ago, as far as, uh, stereotyped if you will on certain right. animals right uh but but i know i know that there's a lot of birds where we're going because covid shut down all of their hunts last year so they have a whole extra crop of birds that made it through the year so they're they're pretty rich on uh, it's a very target rich environment right now that'll be really I'll, I'll be waiting to hear um, you know, that you have that predator decoy on the front of your bow. And then next thing I hear is you got attacked by a turkey and had to fend it off with your bare hands or something like that. Hey man, I'm in, I'm basically, you know, the scum of the earth and like a YouTube person now. So I'll welcome that, you know, I'll take whatever, whatever kind of entertaining <laughs> video I can get. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all for the click, right? Yeah, that's all right. I, I do it all for the gram, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm being very sarcastic there i hope i don't die from a turkey <laughs> although although that would be a good way to go that would be a funny way to go and i when i when i go i want to go in a funny way so i don't want to go like a traditional route you know that'd be unique that would be very unique the way that you want to hear a fun story i want this is what i've been saying for years and i stand by this i want to go there's been no confirmed deaths by meteorites and i want to be number one but I don't want to go from like a big meteorite that kills a bunch of people. I want to be like standing in the yard talking to like you guys hanging around a tailgate. And then you like, you like hear something and you look over and I'm just on the ground. And then like a BB size <laughs> meteorite hit me in the head. That's how I want to go. That'd be pretty wild. I mean, yeah, I know. Be impressive. I, I won't even be mad. I'd just be like, all right. This is what he called it. Yeah, yeah, he, he called, called it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wish he would have gave me some like future stock options because clearly this man can see the future. And yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't help you there. But if that's the way I go, then you guys remember this moment right here. Okay. It is recorded in history. Yep. It will be. Yeah. So, will this, uh, will this gold hunt then? I pronounce that right. Gold. Yeah. The, uh, I don't know. I, I call it Gould, but I'm, I'm not for sure. I think it's Gould. Kyle, is this the, is this the bird you think you're, you were telling me the other day about how your grandpa went and hunted and the guide was like throwing rocks. I, I believe so. Um, Cause he was down in, I want to say he went to Guatemala. I believe the Gould is as well. Um, and he went down there for a trip and the the guide only spoke spanish and my grandpa doesn't speak any spanish just english so there was zero communication except for hand signals um so they went out hunting and then a, a bird torched off and they they went and closed the distance at him and then the guide just told them to sit and they were they weren't sitting against any trees they were just sitting in the open and my grandpa's sitting there like okay what's going on there's just a big bush in front of them at like 20 yards and the the guide would grab rocks and he would throw a handful of rocks in the air. And my grandpa, when he first did it, my grandpa thought like, okay, this, this guy's nuts. Like what's <laughs> going on. And every time he would grab uh, rocks, he would throw them up in the air and the bird would just hammer and just gobble his head off. Huh. And then he would get a little closer and the guide would throw more rocks and then he'd just hammer right away. And that next thing, you know, he probably did it, you know, a handful of times, whatever it was. And, 
um, bird popped out on the right side of the bush and he didn't make it out of the bush. So that, you know, that was good for my grandpa, but yeah, it was, it was the most unbelievable thing I ever heard. And like, I asked my grandpa like, well, why? And he's like, I don't know. The guys like couldn't explain to me why he was throwing rocks because he couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak Spanish, but all I know well, that's is, just one of those basic things that if you do right every time you're going to have success. Yeah. So just, that's what you got to try on your trip is just throw rocks in the air and you'll get a bird to come in. Wow. Yeah. I have never heard that before. I don't know what he was, uh, imitating unless he was imitating like corn hitting the ground. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) That's, uh, Uh, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. On your hunt. If you find out, if you see some guy throwing rocks trying to get this Turkey to come in, you be sure to let us know. (laughs) <laughs> i will you'll be my first text message okay <laughs> like you guys are not gonna believe what just happened <laughs> or i can teach the guides you know <laughs> a new i'm like I'll, I'll just grab them and say put that slate call away i got this yeah, and then we'll just get after rocks yeah we'll just get after it so. yeah then we can start that's genius a new product bag of rocks <laughs> I bet you I know a guy that can advertise that and market it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you get us some video of it working, we're we're set. We're we're set. That's your. Well, I'm not gonna get any specifics. Uh, all of our partners now are great. Every product that we use, this is the truth. Every product that we use is something that I believe in. But in my 14, 15 year career, there have been some with other companies that oh i'm not lying two turkeys just gobbled like 200 yards from me that's, that's cool that y'all, want a, y'all, want, y'all want a live podcast of turkey hill <laughs> <laughs> that's cool uh but in in my 14 year career there have been some products that i've just shook my head at and you know got some footage for if you if you know what i mean so mm. it is what it is man yeah. Well, I guess uh, so. You're gonna be on your way to Mexico and then coming back. And when you're when you're done with your Mexico trip, I, I would assume you're gonna probably switch gears a little bit and kind of look forward towards the fall a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm always looking head toward the fall. I got a lot of uh, a lot of things going on as far as like you know different projects and including i'm building a new house right now um got some got some land me and some buddies went on uh some different lands that we're improving and trying to trying to resell so that's probably what my focus is going to be on you know once i get back from mexico well that plus getting the rest of season two out of my world outdoors which i have most of the editing done uh but yeah i'm always geared toward the fall our first time of the year is the end of august every year and uh, every arrow that I shoot is is always thinking about looking down the you know down through the peep at a at a big elk. So that's uh that's what I'm thinking of uh, all year round is 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 big game animals, mule deer, elk, whitetail. So so kind of tell me what that that looks like, kind of with your preseason prep. Like you know what what do you do to get ready for that moment to make sure that you know you're at the top of your game when you're looking at that elk through that peep so i'm not i'm going to say a cliche here uh but it's the truth it's truly what i believe uh which is if you stay ready you don't have to get ready so i like to stay in shape i you know i don't put a lot of stuff on on social media even though that's like literally my whole business model is on social media. Uh, I do, I put a lot of work in, I run a lot. Uh, I, I try to run about 40 miles a week. Uh, I'm always active, always doing something. Uh, I shoot as much as I can. Now I will gear up shooting uh, the closer we get to season, but you know, you gotta, you gotta stay in some type of shooting shape, uh, looking through sites and looking at targets all year round. Uh, I like to shoot at long. So my biggest, if I had to say one thing to anyone is, uh, as far as bow hunting is to shoot at long distance. I shoot almost exclusively at 90, 100, 110 yards. 
Uh, I'll step out my back porch or step, you know, at the range. And that's what I'm shooting. I'm shooting the hundred yard target. And of course, I'm not going to, sh- I'm not shooting a hundred yard target so I can be ready to shoot a hundred yards at an animal. I'm shooting at a hundred yards. So that 40 yard shot on an animal is a layup. So that's definitely my biggest thing, if you will, that I would relay to someone is, uh, is shooting out there at distance. You know, it makes you, everything's exaggerated at a hundred yards. So if you can shoot a, if you can shoot a, a, a fist size grip at a hundred yards, well, that group, that group at, um, two, you know, 20 yards is, is size of a quarter, you know, it's tiny. So I, I like to shoot long distance is, is the, is, is one big thing. And then, you know, making sure all my equipment's in line, making sure, uh, I'm not going to have any equipment failures in, in the field. So. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. So I, I have um, a range built in my backyard and it, it goes out. My property ends at about like 65 yards. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty much when I'm home. That's what I'm shooting at is 65. And then when I go up to a property up north a little ways, um, you know, I like to stretch it out and get out to that 80, 90, 100. Because uh, like you said, I mean, if you can make that look easy, then when you get that deer at 20 yards, it's just, you know, it's almost automatic. Right. I mean, it's, and like you said, and and it amplifies anything that you do wrong and, you know, it really helps your form and, and, you know, it helps you improve. And, um, I mean, and like you said, with with your gear too, because I I know there's quite a few people who, you know, the the ball sits in the corner and then, oh, season rolls around, blow the dust off. They can hit a, you know, paper plate at 20 yards. Okay. Let's go hunting. And, that that's one of those things that just makes my just head hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, before I touch on that, I mean, uh, a one inch group at, well, a one inch off, if you're one inch is off the mark at 20 yards, you're five inches off the mark at a hundred yards. And so you get to see, you know, things that you're really doing wrong at a hundred yards. And then I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll kind of, no, I, I definitely feel the same way about people dusting their bow off, you know, week before season and saying, oh, I'm good to go. I agree with that sentiment, but I'm also, if someone is truly proficient, you know, and, and is able to get out there, then I, I don't, you know, more power to them. I like to see people out there hunting. I don't care what they shoot uh, as far as the quality of animal, as long as it's a legal animal and they're doing it legally. I am 100% for that. Uh, but it is kind of frustrating to see, some people put in a lot of work and effort and take it a little more seriously than others. But, you know, that also uh, is displayed in the results. So, you know, if they want to do that and they, and they miss at a, you know, a one to two ratio, well, that's better than me missing. Oh, that's not, as, that, that's, that's not as good as me missing at a, you know, a one to 10 ratio or whatever, whatever the actual stat is. So, oh yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to touch on your gear a little bit because it seems like everyone's always asking about, you know, products on, you know, on people's bows and what you're using and stuff. And, and I've noticed you're, you're a single pin guy with, with your bow sight, aren't you? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I shoot a, a single pin as well. What, what do you see the benefits? Um, so wh- why did you pick a single pin over like a fixed multi-pin? Okay, so I used to, sh- I used to be a five-pin guy. That was what I was forever. And uh, I had terrible, I mean, I'll use a traditional excuse here. I had terrible eyesight. And uh, it was just kind of, it got to a point where they all kind of blended together. And also, you know, a lot of your, on a five-pin sight, a lot of your target downrange is blocked. And so I developed, even whenever I was shooting competitive archery, uh, and I, I traveled the country as a, as a kid and in high school shooting competitive archery and did, did pretty well. Uh, I had, uh, you know, I always had a case of target panic and I, I was always aware of it, but the more I shoot, the more it's under control and the more I can still hit what I'm aiming, but I got to be aware that, you know, I might be punching a trigger. Uh, and whenever I can't see my target, i.e. with a five pin sight, it seems like it's worse. And so, with a single pin sight, whether I shoot through a scope or I was shooting like a HHA 
that has a single, you know, single pin housing, it seems like it's a lot easier to center up your target in the center of that, that housing. And, uh, that's why I went to that. I went to that many years ago, probably 10 years ago. Now, I think I was shooting a single pin in 2011. So, uh, it's just a lot easier for me to acquire the target and, you know, get steady on what I'm trying to hit. So that's why I went to a single pin. That's why I stayed at a single pin. And I'd say you, you've done pretty good for yourself since then. So, I mean, clear it, clearly it works. And um, I, I was watching your video last year about your, your Oklahoma slam that you did. And um, that, that was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me because I think it was your, your um, antelope um, was kind of, it, it was kind of changing yardage on you. And then, so that, you know, that was always a kind of a question I had of like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Cause that, that's one of the things that I hear most about people who kind of question single pins is, well, you know, if the deer's at 30 yards and then it moves out to 40, I don't want to let down and then dial and then, you know, draw again, but, and then he's going to move again. So like, right. how did you kind of work through that process on that antelope when you, uh, on your, uh, your Oklahoma slam? Well, on that particular antelope, I misranged him the first time. And which wouldn't have mattered if I had a single pin or a multi-pin. I misranged them. And the first shot, it shot way high because I, I ranged them like 20 yards too far. I think I hit something behind them, uh, you know, with my, with my uh, range finder. Uh, but that, that's always the, the biggest, like you just said, that's always the biggest thing that people say is that uh, if, if something changes while they're at full draw, they can't adjust. And I have several examples over the years of, of what happens. Or, or Okay, I'll, to, to answer your question direct, I practice. I know what my drop is at 10 yards with a 20-yard pin to 30 yards. I know what my drop is, at honestly, at a 40-yard. I shoot, I shoot that at on the range. So I know where to aim and still hit what I'm aiming at. So that's how, that's how that gets fixed. And cause I, I, in 2012, it was October the 12th, 2012, I came to full draw on a bucket 20 yards of a single pin site. And I went to stop him. It was actually during a lightning storm. It was pretty crazy. Uh, there was lightning 10, you know, less than 10 miles away and thundering. And it was, we shouldn't have been in a tree. Uh, anyway, I, I go to stop him at 20 yards and the deer spooks and runs out to like 40 yards. And I never let down. I just swing on him and, you know, adjust my hold and release and, you know, smoke him and deer didn't go very far. Uh, and, and, and as far as slam, <laughs> one of the biggest problems I have with the slam was the, not the antelope, but it was the, uh, mule deer the mule deer hunt was tough because those things are always moving and it wasn't even having a having a it boils down to the animal itself being difficult and not necessarily my my pin because they would be at 50 yards when you, when you hit them and then by the time you get ready to shoot well they move like 10 yards you know and that that caused a lot of problems for me more than the, the antelope did um but it, it wasn't the pin side it was never the pin side mm -hmm. pin's fault excuse me it's never the pin's fault yeah yeah no i i totally agree with with everything you said there because um with with my my site it has it's a single post but it has two fibers so i get a second point of reference Right. Um, which is great. So I can leave my site at 20 and then I'm good all the way up to 40. And then if I shoot anything past 40 and I feel like I have to rush it or I don't have time to dial, draw and, you know, really get my anchor and, you know, and, and get that clean break on that shot, then I have just absolutely no business shooting. And I don't think that would change even if I ran a five pin, you know, and I had a pin out to 60. I mean, you know, it all comes down to just sticking to what's the most ethical thing to do, in my opinion. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm like you in the same regards of my eyesight is just, it's not good. And that single pin just clears up that, you know, housing picture so well. And, right. you know, it just makes me a better archer and better shooter and more ethical. So, 
yeah, I'm, I'm team single pin probably for the rest of my life. So. No, I heard that. I did have LASIK. Oh, been five or six years ago now. And first of all, if you can get LASIK, get it. It was the best thing I've ever done. And even after getting good eyesight, I'm, you know, I'm still shooting single pin, you know, six years later. So everything in archery is about comfortability, habit, and confidence. And if, uh, if you're feeling confident with a five pin side or a three pin side or a single pin with a floater or whatever you're shooting, then shoot it. I am a, on team single pin like you, and I cannot see myself leaving that team unless something drastically changes as far as my mindset. But mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. You can slap a five pin side on my bow right now, and I'm going to go out there and have just as much success as I do with a, with a single pin. I'm on an, like, like we was talking about earlier, I'm on an excuse maker. So. Yep. And there, and there's that confidence that you need. And um, I mean, and that kind of boils into my, my next question. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've watched all your videos for probably, well, since you started my world outdoors and um, you know, watching you go through the Oklahoma um, slam. I mean, there was a lot of ups and downs there. Uh, there was ups and downs through season one of my world outdoors. And then, you know, season two, like you said, um, you know, that, that whole first story, I mean, you, you went through some pretty tough times there. I mean, you were at, you know, the, the highest of highs when you got your, your velvet deer, um, you watched Sam get his, and then, you know, you went through that fire back, you know, back home and, with at uh, at your shop where you were living while your house was being built um you know and then you even you know you, you obviously you went back home but then you went back out hunting and your mindset through all of that was like that that was the biggest thing for me like obviously i was super happy that you um, you know you got a great mule deer um and but your mindset and your mentality through all of that was, was what really like stood out to me. And that speaks a lot to, you know, the kind of man you are, because there's a lot of people that go through half of what you did there and they wouldn't even think about going out later that month. And, you know, there you were getting back out there after elk and, you know, and then you went through that ups and downs of, of that elk hunt. So, you know, kind of what, what's your secret a little bit, or if you could give anyone some advice of, you know, how to keep going through those tough times. So thanks for the, for the kind words, by the way, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, the, the way that I approach everything is, and what I'm going to say is kind of corny, but if you look for the positive and everything, everything that happens is positive. And the opposite of that is true. And I know a lot of people that the opposite is the way they live their life. And I, I have been labeled perpetually optimistic and I'm okay with that. Um, every, everything that happens, I mean, literally everything that happens, I can find something good in it. And uh, that's what I focus on. Even, you know, when the house burns down, we lose everything. I mean, literally lose everything we owned uh you know what we didn't we didn't my kids are okay my wife is okay uh we the structure of the outer structure of the, of the building was okay you know like there's there's things to focus on other than oh i don't have clothes anymore or oh i'm homeless you know there's 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 things that we can all right the fact that i had a great family to support my side of the family and her side of the family both you know was tremendous so like if, if, if that's, that's the way I look at life is if you, I, you find the positive in everything that's happening. And uh, if you do that, then everything that happens is positive. So. Love it. I mean, that's right there. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I used to be, I, I still am at times, but I used to be very, you know, negative and down on myself when something happened, you know, that didn't go my way. Um, I mean, if I, there, there was a couple of years ago, I lost a, a pretty good buck and, you know, I, I, um, wounded one last year too, that I didn't recover. And, um, I mean, when it happened two years ago, I was, I was destroyed. I, I couldn't even get out and go hunting. Like I was just down in the dumps. And then, you know, I kind of woke up one day and I was like, all right, you need to, you need to wake up. I was like, it's, you know, enough of this moping, get up and get, you know, get it done. And then, 
same thing happened the next year, but I was actually really proud of myself because I, I got up and, you know, I went hunting that, that next day and, you know, I didn't take any time off. I, I was like, okay, this is what it is. And, you know, you know, that deer's alive and he's out there. So, you know, get after it. Cause no one's gonna, no one's gonna feel bad for you moping around. So it doesn't pay to do it. Yep. It's exactly right. I mean, no, I mean, it's the truth. Nobody like, you're not special. I'm not special. No one cares, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just, have a good time and focus on the good things and, and, and learn from it. You know, if you wound a deer, you miss a deer or animal, uh, don't make excuses on why it happened. Just, just take an honest look at what happened and, and fix it and don't do it again. If you, uh, missed an animal or wounded an animal because you lost your freaking mind and didn't settle the pin, well, don't do that again. You know, uh, if it was for whatever other reason, don't do that again. And it's okay to make a mistake once. It's not okay to do it twice. And, uh, you know, you got to take each moment and learn from it. And you also got to take each moment and look at the, at the positive, uh, that, that, you know, is, is every moment that happens, there's positive. So you got to, you got to go in with that mindset. And if you do, you're going to, you're going to find success. I just got to find that ice, uh, that flows through my veins. Um, I got to borrow that from you though, because I mean, you're just like rock solid in all these videos, no matter what situation it's like, you know, that, that deer elk is done. He's smoked. Well, that's because, I mean, thank you. I, I, I try to think of myself as a, a freaking closer. And, uh, that, that comes from getting made fun of for many years for my family. And I'm a competitive person and I'm a stubborn person. And if I have an opportunities are hard to come by. And I don't want an opportunity that's in front of me to slip through my fingers. And so if there's a, if there's a moment to, to be had, I want to try to have that moment. So um, you, you, if, if you, if, if you don't think that you're a killer and if you aren't, then, you know, you just got to take a deep breath and freaking, you know, nothing else matters except for that arrow behind that shoulder. That's the only thing that matters getting that pin behind the shoulder and squeezing the trigger off or I don't squeeze the trigger off. I punch it. I punch it. In fact, <laughs> the, I still punch it, especially when the animal's out in front of me. Uh, but that, uh, that Colorado story, the day I come back after the, the house fire, uh, I, I miss a really big five by five. And the reason why I miss them was I had a, a little bit of bad luck as far as getting some stuff in that release. Uh, the head of the, I got some gravel in the, in the head of the release, but I punched the crap out of it. And that's why the arrow went through his antlers, which I've never done, by the way. That's kind of cool. I can say that I see there's some positivity there. <laughs> I've kicked a field goal on a big old, you know, big five by five elk in Colorado. So I can, I can say I've done that now. And guess what? I'm not going to let that happen again. I was going to say, I, I, I'll take any bet that that will never happen again. I, I would, I'm, I would think that you're right. <laughs> I, I, I would bet that too. <laughs> You'll be hard pressed. I've missed deer. I've missed a lot of deer, a lot of animals, not just deer. Uh, misses happen. Wounds happen. Unfortunately. Uh, you just got to accept it. You got to have a short memory also. That's another good thing to, to, to remember is to have a short memory. So learn from it and forget about it. I cannot agree more with what you just said. I know guys that they talk about missing maybe the biggest buck of their life or making a mistake and they just dwell on it and they dwell on it and they dwell on it. And I'm like, let it go. Yep. You can't, you can't change what happened. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. Yeah. Because no one cares. That's another thing. Exactly. Yeah, nobody does care. Nobody does care. I mean, for maybe the split two seconds that we talk about it, I might, you know, there's some empathy there. But after that moment, man, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. That, yeah. That's the thing about bow hunting, though, is that it'll humble you real quick. It'll yeah, for sure. Teach you lessons that <laughs> you might not learn anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. that's because I mean. Dude, it's a, it's a stressful environment. I've seen some really hard men, some men that have seen a lot of things in their life, get out there and lose their freaking mind with a deer in front of them. 
or a turkey <laughs> or an elk, you know, it's, uh, they, they black out. They forget what happens. I mean, uh, it, it's hard to slow those things down, especially early on. So yes, it will, it, like you said, it will humble you quickly and it will humble anyone quickly. That's man. I, this is why I like, I'm a newer hunter. I've only been doing this for, this will be my fifth season coming up. And I love talking to guys like yourself and I'm, I'm sitting here just listening, kind of just writing my own notes as the episode's going on, just cause I'm learning so much. And I think that people, they don't take the time to really dig into what guys that are doing this as a career, guys that have a lot of knowledge now, when I say guys that are doing it as a career, I mean I mean the right guys, like the right folks that are out there doing it for the right reasons and and everything, but they're not digging into what they're actually saying. So thank you for disclosing everything that you've disclosed so far on this episode. Well, I appreciate that. And and there, I've been in this industry a long time. There are a lot of people in this industry that couldn't hunt their way out of a paper bag, uh, and, and but but can but will talk the talk, if you will. So uh getting getting the right information is uh can be hard sometimes but you know you got to take your own personal experiences and learn from them yeah that's how you get better to be honest you got to take personal experiences and, and learn from them, good and bad you got to learn from you know you learn a lot more from bad experiences than you can do from good experiences so it sucks more yeah <laughs> you feel more emotion uh whenever something bad happens but you know in the end it it, it pushes you further along the the spectrum like we were talking about earlier than if uh if you go out there and have success on the first day so right like for colorado is a perfect example i'm a fairly new elk hunter i've been around it since uh maybe 2015 somewhere in there uh been you know i've been out a lot since then i go you know once or twice a year uh but i'm definitely a new elk hunter and uh that first the second day is the first morning of our colorado elk hunt I almost killed, I think it was the same five by five I missed, actually. I almost killed him. He was at 20, called him into 20 yards. He just came in the brush, you know, just to the side of us and uh, got a split second of footage. I, I used the clip of the footage and I slowed it down so you could see it, you know, kind of. Um, but if I'd have killed, if that bull would have came in the first morning out, picture perfect out of shot i wouldn't have learned as much as if i would now that i stayed out there for you know i was literally on the mountains for like 18 days or something so you you learn a lot more from uh from the down moments than you do from from the highs amen amen I, I do have one question about your your elk hunt where where do you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten on your elk calling Thirty seven hundred. I'm the freaking best. I'm the best. <laughs> uh, I am proficient. That's all. That's all okay. I am. I am. I am good enough to get an elk to think I am another elk. Perfect. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not a world champion elk or elk caller. My world champion turkey caller. My world champion anything. Uh, I just, you, you know, you don't have to be a world champion elk caller to kill an elk. So. Yeah, just a badass. Yeah, it is what it is. Ain't what it ain't. They call me BA for a reason. <laughs> uh, man, what does uh, what does conservation mean to you? Conservation that means leaving the woods better when you leave than how you found it when you entered. That is that is what I think of conservation. I see what uh, European settlers did to this country with unregulated, basically marketing of dead animals. Uh, and, you know, how we just wiped everything out uh, in, the, in the 1800s and into the 1900s well, as, we, as we moved west. And um, it really took a, it took, a, it took a force, a regulation uh, of these seasons and these uh organizations to get behind you know relocating and and uh regulating poachers to to, to bring these populations back and we're re reaping the rewards of what a lot of great organizations have done really since the 
I'm thinking really back to the seventies when they started relocating deer and relocating turkeys uh, and elk uh, back in the fifties here in Oklahoma. Uh, it's just uh, leaving, leaving the woods better than when you found it. So just because there's three long beards in front of you doesn't mean you need to kill three long beards, you know, right. Get, right. Your, get your bird and be happy. And uh, you get a, you get to do it again next year. So with that, what can we do to, when I say we, I mean every hunter out there, to engage more folks into the lifestyle, sport, culture of hunting? One is to not shun people for doing it a different way than you do it. Just because I like to bow hunt doesn't mean that I am better than thou. <laughs> you know, right. that is one thing that is, that's the thing about this industry is super clicky. And if you wear brand X, then you can't be associated with brand Y. And uh, if you shoot this bow, you can't, you know, these guys are, are trash or, uh, the Western hunters look down on the, on the tree stand hunters. You know, one thing is to celebrate everyone for getting out in the woods and going and, and being there and, and doing it right. So that is the number one thing I would do is just being, being inclusive to everyone uh, joining, joining the forces with us. But, you know, a lot of people are looking at self-preservation. They, they don't want to give up their hunting spot. They don't want to give up. They don't want land prices to go up on their lease or some, farmer to stop giving them permission to hunt their land for free because you know some guy down the street's going to pay you know whatever to, to hunt their land that's that's why people uh a lot of people don't want <laughs> other people to get involved is because of, of self-preservation do you do you think that this is possible to change within the next x amount of years or do you think it'll be a lot more than that uh, no, I think that human nature is going to get in the way of um, what I just said for sure. But that's the answer. Right. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of forces out there, a lot of voices that are kind of more mainstream that have kind of made hunting kind of cool right now. You know, you know, a sustainable lifestyle and you know being one with nature and and doing that, which is great. It's great for getting new people out there which i am all for new people creates more money uh, for conservation which creates more in some cases habitat creates a better uh, population for us to go after um, that's what i'm for as far as recruiting I'm, I'm for inclusivity and saying everyone's everyone's you know everyone's invited let's go it's a big it's a big world out there let's go right right what piece of advice if you met some some random guy or gal you know they're getting ready to head off into the woods and they just asked you what piece of advice could you give me right now what would you tell them don't die <laughs> <laughs> don't die. that's how they get back in their truck and yeah. they go home that's, that's number one is don't die uh number two is uh have fun and and, and learn from learn from each experience you know good and bad keeping an open mind for sure yep so, so i guess i want to give you just a few minutes here if, if there's anything that you really just you know you want to say to any of our listeners just whether it's about hunting conservation you can just let it all out if there's anything at all you want to say well i don't think they have enough you don't have enough digital storage capacity to hear me talk. Uh, I honestly, I feel like we've, uh, we've covered a lot and I've said a lot of things that uh, I've wanted to say. Uh, one thing I, I, I guess I'll, I'll harp back on just because that's something that, that, you know, I think strongly of, which is don't make excuses. Uh, I, I hate when people go out there and they blame uh, this and that, you know, like I said earlier, you either do or you don't. And, uh, if you go out there with that mindset, then uh, first of all, your life's going to be a lot easier, uh, but you're going to have a lot more success over over the years. So, um, you know, it's not always the moon's fault. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kyle, do you have any more questions for Brandon? Um, the the only thing that I, I did want to touch on. So 
you're you have two daughters, correct? I think so. <laughs> yes, I have two daughters, Addison. <laughs> so they're they're both showing you know quite a bit of interest in, in hunting by by the looks of it. Of, you know some of the things that I've seen. Um, you know, is, is there anything you kind of did to make it enjoyable, or like you know, say someone you know has a, a kid and they're you know trying to steer them to see if they are interested in, in hunting? Is there is there any um, advice you could give someone, uh, you know, who, who's trying to get a kid into hunting? Yeah. So one thing with my kids, I don't, I don't push them to do, to go out there. You know, if we, if they want to go hunting, they want to go elk or not elk hunting. They want to go turkey hunting or deer hunting. They have to ask me to go. I'll take them every single time they want to go, but I'm not going to push them to do anything. And another thing is, it's just because daddy has, and this is something I want, I would like to talk, touch on. <laughs> uh, just because daddy has a wall full of big old animals doesn't mean that that's what they get to go after. They need to earn their stripes, if you will. And uh, I, I've seen so many kids, especially being in this industry for as long as I have and knowing people that are in the industry that have had, that have a lot of success. <clears throat> their kids, you know, basically look down <laughs> on deer certain deer because they're not old enough and they're not you know big enough rack uh, that's not going to lead to a a very good future for for all of us if that's the way that we uh, continue to track down so uh, go out there like for instance my kids until they're 18 or so they can shoot whatever they want to like my my, my oldest daughter she's 13 she killed uh well, she's 12 when she killed it but she killed the little one horn year and a half old buck like last year behind the house. And I'm actually, I'm 80 yards from where the, where she shot it from right now. Uh, it's, it's about them being out there and enjoying, enjoying the experience and, and her face after she shot that, that buck, there would have been no difference if she shot that buck or she shot 170 inch, you know, 10 point, like they used get them out there and get them, you know, try to get them success and, uh, don't, don't put standards on them that you may have personally, because that's not what it's about. What it's about is creating a fire and then they can stroke that as they get older and they can either, you know, go after bigger animals each year, or they can keep doing the same thing. As long as they're doing it legally, that's cool. You know, you do you. Can, can the world handle you and then two carbon copies of you at the same time <laughs> i i wish there was two carbon copies of me i could get a lot more work i would if i had two more of me i was one doing a podcast one working on this house one working on the seven other projects i got going on the world would be better off well at least my world would be <laughs> yeah probably be president and you know lord ruler of the world by now or, or something like that if there i'll be honest if, if there was three of me and not just like my kids but like actually three of me i would exploit that to all of its potential and i would make money from it somehow yeah <laughs> i don't even care yeah. i don't care what you think about me that's what i would do <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great there you go so uh I'm going to give you another opportunity, man, to just let our listeners know where they can, uh, where they can find you at. And if they want to ask you any questions, how they could reach out to you. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, my world outdoors is, uh, available on all the platforms. So if you look at my world outdoors on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, you'll find us there. Uh, of course, my outdoors.com, you know, has all of our videos on there. Uh, we got some swag if you want to help support us and, you know, buy a hat or hoodie or something. Uh, and then you can follow me personally on Instagram. I don't do much other than Instagram. I don't do Twitter or Facebook. So hit me up on the gram at, uh, what is it? Underscore BA underscore Adams. I believe. I don't know. You'll well, find me. It's yeah, 2021. If they'll, if they want to find you, they'll find you. Yeah, so, man. <laughs> I, I am active on Instagram. Not as much as I should be, but I am active on Instagram. And, uh, if you hit me up on the DM, Kyle will attest to this. I will answer you. So it, it may take some time, but I will, uh, I will generally always get back. So 
I, I was very surprised, by the way, because I'm like, all right, who would want to talk to me? And well, apparently Brandon does. This guy. <laughs> this guy does. I'm all for in- inclusivity, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, thank you uh thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on here and shoot the shit with us man all right man i appreciate the invite and uh good luck to you boys the rest of the spring good luck to y'all this fall yes sir yes sir good luck down in mexico thank you thank you thank you guys thank you so much for listening to this episode as always Go on uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast at and just uh, leave us a review and a rating if you wouldn't mind. Stay safe out there and hunt relentlessly.